0: So let's get down to business with another episode of Start a Hustle, brought to you by fullscale.io. And we're back. Back for another episode of Start a Puzzle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. right, so you started a SaaS platform, software as a service, and you gained some traction, you got some investment, and now you get to figure out how to scale your product. On paper, this sounds really easy. In reality, it is anything other than that. And what we do know is there's a lot of people that have done it successfully, including my guest today. And before I introduce who that is... Want to give you a quick reminder that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. That's my company, folks, and I'm looking forward to talking to you about helping you scale your team. That's pretty much all we do all day, every day. Now, with me today, I've got Joe Well well, you, sorry, I struggled well, yeah. on that a little bit. Yes, despite being coached by Joe, Joe Well, you, he's the founder and CEO of Total Expert. That's a fintech company founded in 2015, uh, $86 million in capital raised ink fi- on the Inc. 5000, four years in a row. You go to totalexpert.com and learn more. There's a link in the show notes that'll make you make it even easier for you to visit Joe's business straight out of Minneapolis, baby. Joe, welcome to Startup Hustle.
1: Hey Matt. Uh really appreciate the opportunity. Good to be here.
0: Uh, I'm I'm interested to just get right into this and hear more about your backstory. So let's let's jump right in, man. I'm excited for today's sure, topic. I'll, uh, so I'm Yeah, sure. too, man. I'm ready. I'm looking-
1: I'm right. Look, looking I'm forward right. to the conversation. So i uh, try to keep a, a short version. Um, there's obviously always a long and a short version. But the short version is, uh, I, I started the company, uh, really the first version, this was, uh, this was kind of version 2.0 is the version of the business we're on now. But Ah uh, started the business originally out of uh, the basement of a real estate office. I had a real estate team, and uh, one of uh, one of our core things that that we would do is is partner with mortgage lenders as we went out and, and acquired customers. And so, the original thesis of the business was um, really enabling the partnership between the lender and the real estate agent to better serve a, a, a homeowner. Right. And so what we learned uh, over a couple of years of of taking a very primitive product to market was uh, number one, uh, we wanted to uh, build an enterprise product versus a product that we sold to individual users. We just believed that model was a was a better model to uh, to do the the build the size business that we wanted to build. And then we also believed that really focusing deeply, on the industry that you're serving and delivering functionality that really went the last mile that had uh, the perspective of the, the people actually working on the business, not just a tech company building software for businesses, but people that deeply understood. And so we started building an enterprise product, really launched that in the end of 2015. That was really the the first enterprise product that we built. And we decided at that point we were going to sell our, our target customer initially uh, was going to be mortgage lenders. And uh, that was a, a basically a marketing product. And then we uh, evolved that uh, really over the next few years to serve both banks and uh, independent mortgage companies. Uh, and today we, we have built it into a platform that spans both CRM functionality, um, marketing functionality, and, and customer journey orchestration uh, is really the, the secret sauce for us. And uh, we've built that from about a few hundred thousand in revenue in uh, tw- early 2016 um, to almost $42 million in revenue where we sit today. Hello.
0: And that's scaling so, folks. <laughs> Do you have another comment? I,
1: no, I, I hear you okay. Okay, Did we so up? no, no, we're good, we're
0: good. So um, by the way, I always tell our guests, I'm like, hey, we publish these things warts and all. So if you're ever, if you if you're a regular listener, you know that, and uh, we, we value conversation and the spontaneity that occurs with it. Now, as we get into talking about scaling, when you, you know, I think that's one of those, but it's almost an overused buzzword in startups. Like, hey, well, you have to learn to scale. Okay. So, yeah. what does scaling mean? Like, when you think of I need to scale, because, you know, my company, full scale, is difficult to scale. And on some levels, could be considered by some as not scalable because it's very, very reliant on people, meaning I have to have right. people. And I don't, I don't always think that I don't, I think that in terms of like SaaS platforms, that's a different feel. So, you know, that's what we're talking about. But when you, let's just start with the basics, like 101 kind of stuff here. When you think about scaling, what does that mean to you?
1: Uh, ultimately it means growth and getting to that next, uh, that next phase of growth, unlocking that next stage, right? There's always, there's always another level when you're at zero, you, you want to scale to get your first million in revenue. Right. When you get to your first million in revenue, I mean, this is the way we thought about it. We're like, okay, what do we need to do to get to 10 million in revenue and beyond? Right. The key that we've learned is along those journeys from zero to one, from one to 10, from 10 to 20, you need to be thinking about that next iteration of your business and what that looks like, uh, both in the products you want to build, the problems that you're solving for your customers, but also the type of organization and the types of people that you're going to need to deliver on those things. And it's really a constant iterative process uh, about growth.
0: I agree. I'm, I'm, I'm in the definition. Now so much of your description of it is literally just built around timelines and goals. So if Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about, you know, how do we scale, is that the first is that the first thing that you think any software founder should do? It's like, hey, this is and by the way, you're right. Like scaling is exactly yeah. that. It comes in incremental doses. So what does that mean, and yeah. how do we do it? And uh, yeah. you know, so it's scaling for some might be having a customer.
1: Sure. well, so the I think the part one is understanding what your timelines and growth targets are what you what your mission of your business is, and what you want to accomplish, and always having clarity around that, that's kind of the easy part. Okay, or I think it's, I mean, it's both hard and easy, it should be the, it should be the part that you can get to with the least amount of pain and agony. Okay, the rest of it, uh, the people, the systems, the processes, uh, the funding, all of that is extremely challenging at every turn, right? And at every turn, you're faced with a increasing level of complexity. And so I, I think it's, you know, it's ultimately, really it's it's like, you gotta be able to chew through concrete uh, t- is really what I sort of attribute it to. Like you have to have the tenacity and desire that will literally allow you to just chew through brick walls and not be intimidated by obstacles, because that's when you start scaling and start getting to that next phase, it's you're just hit with so much, um, so many obstacles, so much complexity and so many new problems that you have to figure out how to solve. And it really never stops along, along the journey, right? You think, I think you think it does. And you probably know from your perspective, but you sort of think when you're, when you're small, man, if once we get to 10 million, we'll have it figured out. And it's, uh, you know, I've learned that it's, you're continuously figuring it out.
0: I, I was going to just say exactly that. So, um, 10 years ago, I would have felt that way. Uh, 10 years right. later, I, I have just come to the assumption and conclusion that no one ever really has it all figured out. And if you think no. you do, then you've probably quit trying. Um, so part of, you know, as we discuss the approaches and ways to scale a SaaS platform, Um, You have great points. Now, one of the things that I talk about a lot on the show and with the different people we work with at full scale or really anyone who has this, I have this conversation with is so with goals and timelines, those are uh, 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 always sunny day kind of things. What happens when we Mm -hmm. get to this many users? This what happens when we get to this amount of whatever. I force myself, I've trained myself to also consider to look more at the rainy day things what is the mm-hmm. list of things that will prevent us from getting here right. And you alluded to some of that and i think that that's that's a key uh, thing to identify for any entrepreneur it's like okay so i'm here and i want to be here what's in my way and you know mm-hmm. you and you mentioned that you, you like i said in a different way you said that it could be it, it people product process and and capital in, in most cases yeah i mean it, it and, does
1: come down a lot to those buckets right Yeah, and yeah. i think i think one of the challenges as an entrepreneur is always being able to break down um, into really uh, tangible, um, quantifiable things that are in your way that you need to solve really the problems that you need to solve for, to be able to break through that next, you know, that next brick wall that's inevitably going to show up. And it's your ability to constantly take in data, Um, evaluate the problem, and then anticipate uh, what's going to happen around the corner. It's just something you have to develop and hone. And I think the great entrepreneurs, the great leaders have that really innate sense to see around the corner for trends, problems, challenges. What are the growth levers? What are the tailwinds that I can step into? And what are the things preventing us from getting there? And they have that really innate ability to do that.
0: So w- one of the things that I, I find a lot of fascination with in my personal time is I'm I'm very interested in the qualities and, and traits that make a genius. Now, I'm not a genius, uh, and there are very few, but one of the things you mentioned seeing around corners. So the best definition of genius that I've ever heard is there's a big difference between being talented and being a genius when that's talented can hit the target that everybody sees a genius hits the target that no one sees. And that's right. around the corner. That's, you know, like, and that's the big thing. And, and that's where that label gets attached to so many people Now, you don't have to be a genius to be successful in business. Um, And on some levels, you might not even need to be talented at a lot of stuff, but you do, as, as you mentioned, you do need to be able to have some ability to see what's not coming and understand what are the threats. Now, some of the things that can even help with the scalability plan are just simple little things like a SWOT analysis. You know, these are our strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. and and you know like for and i use my my own business a lot so one of the threats to our growth is i've got so much demand for my services that i have i'm currently having to figure out how to ramp up recruitment and hiring like big yeah. and because i don't because like i said that what well, my limitation with hiring is because we're people centric so if i don't have people to perform right. the services then our tech services business doesn't provide more tech services. Now that's okay. I've got a couple hundred employees. So we've made it this far, but you think about where you are going to go to the next part and whatever. So scalability, the actual definition of it is the capacity to be changed in size or scale, which I don't find to be particularly helpful as a definition. In our case, the ability of a computing process to be used or produced in a range of capabilities. And that's, you know the flex and really if you if you're looking at your software platform and you're saying is this scalable a real easy thing to look at it is is okay so based on our sort our existing system capacities how many users are people using or flexing this is it going to take before it sucks before you hit
1: your limitations right i think it's um whether it's you're talking about a computing platform software platform Mm -hmm. or or your organization and the people in your organization, right? Your culture, the, um, the human part of your organization, both have limitations really at every, at every corner, or at least that's been my experience. And so it's constantly trying to understand where those limitations lie. And then how do you, how do you break through and get onto that next curve and get, you know, expand beyond those limitations, I think is ultimately the thing you're, and you alluded to it with with your company um, in terms of the people, right? You get up to a certain sort of size and scale and it's like, okay, wow, we need a lot more heads uh, to go to that next curve, right? So you kind of hit that, you know, I call them really, you know, soft limitations, right? Because in theory, it's, you know, you can do it, but it's, it becomes more uncomfortable, more challenging to kind of break through that each, each phase.
0: And, and part of that, too, with people and part of what we, so we only hire one in 40 applicants, uh, which means that the deeper you get into the bucket, the bigger the bucket needs to become. And, right, uh, you know, and, and that's that's tough. And in some cases that the, some of the limitations when it comes to people are also it's also experience. So So many people that are innovating new technical solutions, why you might be able to find developers or someone that can write code. Who actually has experience in doing what you do? Because if you're on the cutting edge, then no one does, except for the people that are with you. And uh, people are tricky. Like, it's just this is just the thing. It's like people are people and, uh, you know, software shows up to work every day and you can tell it to do something. You can tell it not to do something else. And you can you can turn the dial up to 11 and sometimes it talks back. But if you do it right, it's like, thanks. It just kind of goes about working and and there's less intricacy and emotion. I
1: I think, I think you're, you're really spot on. And my, my experience building the company to the size that we have is the people are both the hardest part and the most important part, right? The technology piece I think um, is arguably easy if you have, it's not easy, but it's 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 uh, much easier if you have the right types of people in your organization. so it really is all about uh, the quality uh, and types of people that you're able to attract to to your mission, which is building this company and then continue to inspire and develop those people I mean that that's really the thing that I think uh, I've I've learned and really underestimated the importance of as you continue to get bigger and I'd be interested to hear your experience as well. But as you continue to get bigger, it just becomes more uh, more magnified if you're doing a good job of it or you're not, right? Because you you see leaders evolving and your people leveling up and, and sort of what, what I always find is amazing is when you find somebody that's really passionate, super hungry, super smart, all of a sudden they're taking your company in places that you didn't even think about, right? Like they're they're making progress on things that you didn't even think about. And that's that's tremendously fun to start seeing that. But you'll you only get to those points if you're you're really purposeful about attracting and retaining the right types of talent.
0: Yeah, I think that the first thing for early stage, if you're listen, listening and your company's in an early stage is you have to accept the fact that all you can do is all you can do. And if you want to, and, yeah. and I've said this a lot, your goal as an entrepreneur, we all have different goals, but I, for me, I always want to build something that's bigger than me. And starting yes. with that as, as, as the starting point means that I inherently am required to have other people and talent with that um and it is tricky it is hard and because you know i know this is stupidly cliche but people are people they have they're all different we're all snowflakes in that regard and why there is a predictable nature about us and our personality styles and whatever is you know things change and Right now, that's a hot topic with so many companies because there's a, well, there's a huge talent shortage, which is part of why business is so quick. You know, there's 350,000 open tech jobs in the US and it's a yeah, zero it's sum game, meaning meaning when you fill one, you open another. And, you know, so that means that people are bidding for more talent and you get a lot of churn. Like the people that I talk to, man, I can't keep a developer on staff. We have almost no churn and there's a secret to that. It, It really is crazy. Like, I mean, it's less than one person a month out of 200 and that's intact. That's a, that's amazing. But that's so amazing. You've done started- an,
1: obviously an amazing job building, building that culture. And our experience has been certain mm-hmm. roles in the company. We've been, we've been very fortunate with the developers as well, having a fairly low term with developers, other parts of the company. I think we've, we've seen that evolve over COVID and whatnot. And I think that's fairly similar, but you know, I, I don't know about you, but as a, as a founder and entrepreneur, if you're not thinking about how to making making sure you have the very best people around you constantly right you're you're not going to achieve your potential and uh it sounds like you 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 believe that's something we don't compromise on
0: yeah we don't compromise on so i mean i right now have a waiting list for clients and you know some people like lower your hiring standards i'm not going to do it we won't do it that's like so much about our culture that people appreciate. Well, first off, there's a yeah, couple think- secrets with that. It's, it's simple, though, dude, like we are our, our employees come first, the biggest asset we have in our company is our people and, and we take care of them in that regard. And that's really important. And it should be to you too, because no one wants to work at a shitty place. It's just that simple. And then some of it is is really simple, like pay better than other people. I mean, do it because if that, yeah, you I think- want that to be the objection,
1: I, I certainly think that's part of the equation, but I would tell you that my, my experience running the business uh, this past couple of years is the the equation of um, attracting, retaining, and, and keeping people happy and engaged. That equation, the inputs into that equation have have changed somewhat, right? Um,
0: the engaged you know, part is the next key, though. you got to keep people yeah, challenged and interested because if they're bored, they're bored.
1: If they're bored awesome. and you're not empowering them to uh, do big things um, and you're not reminding uh, them of the mission and the bigger vision that they're a part of and you're not inspiring them you're, you're not going to have a, a great sticky culture where people want to be a part of that and you know as a founder i, I think about every day I, I think about you know three words i really think about are vision Um, people and then strategy underneath that right and i think about okay am i crystallizing the vision correctly um has anything evolved in the marketplace that changes what we want to do as a business And, and i literally think about it a lot uh and then of of course people is is on my radar every single day of okay you know once you get what i would call some scale and you get a couple of dozen employees you're inevitably going to have people problems pretty much continuously in some capacity. And nobody tells you that when you start a business. And, and I take that back. Actually, uh, one of my investors, the day that we closed on our Series A, he said, Joe, you know, enjoy kind of being a CEO right now. He goes, because as you get bigger, a big part of your job is gonna be people in HR, and it's not gonna be as fun. And I'm like, okay, you know? and i didn't necessarily know what he meant and then maybe a year later i started to learn oh this is what you mean right so it's just part of the territory as you as you grow you got to say hey i want to grow and i want to scale but be careful what you wish for because as you grow and scale the more people you attract and the more people you have um, you're inevitably going to have to deal with you know with the natural things that happen when you have a lot of humans in a, around the business
0: Yeah, I want to talk a little bit more about that after I remind everybody that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by FullScale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Uh, If you're listening to this episode, you're interested in scaling a business, and that's what we help people do. It's it's a problem, and that's part of what we've been talking about. And you, you might be sitting there going, why are you talking about people so much when we're talking about building a SaaS platform? Because people build the SaaS platform, and if you don't have the people to yes. build what you need built, then it doesn't get built, and your vision and dream don't come true. I mean, the, someone has to has to pound nails with the hammer. Is basically what it comes down yeah. to, and that's tricky. And and you're right. Like the the, it's kind of like the the mo money mo problems moniker. But you know, the bigger company gets, the, the it 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 while it can become a juggernaut going forward, the fragility with it, especially culturally, as um, is 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 important as well. And for me, I, I'm with sweetness and 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 a firm hand in some regards when it comes to removing toxicity and bullshit from my culture. Yeah. I, nothing will make your great employees hate you, hate your company more than watching you tolerate and coddle the worst ones so no you know, and I, I agree it, I agree it's it's true it's true and no one wants to eat shit sandwiches either like if you're a yeah. shit sandwich vendor I don't want you on my block get out of here
1: yeah yeah I mean who you have on your team with you is so critically important I think as as and we both obviously are passionate about entrepreneurship and I think you know some of the Things that that I enjoy is being able to just share key learnings that that I've had along the way, and I think you do the same. Um, and certainly, I always love learning from people that are farther ahead in their journey than than what we are. But you know, early on as an entrepreneur, you think I got this great idea, right? And then you realize very quickly that ideas are shit. Right, it's really the execution that yep. is the thing that makes it difference. Right? Well, how do you execute on ideas? Right? You only execute on ideas through people, and your ability to have amazing people and talented people. And and I wake up grateful every day that we have been very fortunate to attract and and retain some some incredible people. And um, you know, some of the people we had early on have transitioned out as they maybe weren't the right fit for. That next stage of the business. But arguably your, your biggest indicator of being successful um, is having great people. And, um, you know, some examples that I would tell you, if you have great people, right, they will um, have the same types of values that that you do. And they will they will embody that in their work. And one of one of ours is customer success is, is number one and having customer empathy, right? So when we bring on somebody and they have tremendous customer empathy, we know their ability to have customer feedback and then make adjustments on how we're delivering our product uh, or how we're building the product. That's a, that's a big indicator of uh, our success down the road. And so that's just one example. But.
0: We, we use the phrase client-obsessed. So we're yeah. obsessed with our client's success and that doesn't, and I also make sure that that's not misunderstood because that doesn't mean making ourselves miserable like long-term. So I like think you just have, you hit you on have, a really good important day, point. You'll have good days and bad days with that. It doesn't mean you need to like live a life of misery, but really when you're in this service type business and we all are, um, that yeah. if you, it, you know, if you if your customer, your client, your user is successful and they're benefiting from what you're providing, it makes life a lot easier, but there's a key thing that goes with that Joe, because that trickles down into a purpose-driven kind of life. And really, in the end, people want to wake up and know that they serve a purpose that they're not just a cog in the machine. And, and we go out of our way to really make sure that everyone at full scale understands the importance that they play. And that's, and that's hard to do when you have some people on half of the world and a bunch of people here. And like, they're not just they're they're people too. And what they do is very, very, very important. And that's important uh, when it comes to, to driving people. Now, by the way, I want to uh, move on to some more nerdy stuff if you're sure. if you're game for that. Do it. Um, so, you know, we, we've mentioned that, you know, we, we talked a lot about the people-centric side of things and that people have to build the tech. But one of the mistakes okay. I see with, with scalability and a lot of... Uh, people that reach out to me and I talk to a lot of people about their tech and their platform and all of it is I think one of the mistakes that I see a lot of a lot of people make is they're like so hell bent on doing something quote different that they often choose tech stacks that are bound to lead to their unscalability. They're choosing Mm. boutique or niche things then. And the problem is, is if it catches traction and they grow, they're like, Oh, wow. So I need to build a whole team of these people. And, and I I mean, I run into it all the time, man, like people they'll call me and they'll be like, are you, you how many developers do you have that do this? I'm like, Okay, so I have these conversations every day and I've never even heard of that. And I'll like look it up and it'll be like the 56th most popular language on GitHub. And I'm, and I'll yep. tell them. I'll be like, you're going to have an, but you're going to literally, You are sentencing yourself to a life of having to train every single person yeah. you hire to just learn the basics about what you do. I, have you run into any of that when it comes to
1: uh, absolutely? Your so early on, um, everything we did was built in, in PHP because um, really, because the first couple programmers I found on Craigslist when I didn't really know what I was doing or looking for, that's what they knew. And so we started building everything in PHP. And then as we started scaling, we realized nobody wants to work in PHP anymore. And um, we needed to really start working more modern, um, you know, modern programming languages. And so, you know, as the platform, "Quote unquote scale," we we started to transitioning into um, into other things, and uh, I'm I'm not a a technical co founder, so this really isn't my sweet spot per se. But but I do know that it was um, a challenge for us to overcome. Is we got you know grew pretty quickly. We grew from one one to ten million in uh, about eighteen months, and um, it was like oh we need to go hire twenty engineers and uh, finding good engineers that wanted to, that were inspired to work in that language, wasn't uh, wasn't something we found readily available. And so it was. Uh, what you're saying is legitimately a thing to consider as you're starting the business. Like, how available is the talent pool around this stack that we're building? And uh, you know, is it if you, it is you can truly get on the opposite
0: sh- end of that problem too? Yeah. Um, and Ph- yeah. PHP is is not. The example i would have chosen because it's pretty widespread and there's a ton of developers out there now there, there is choosing... but a lot of
1: them aren't inspired to do it anymore that's what right yeah it
0: is honestly <laughs> declining and, and so how do i know because i i have like a uh i can I basically lick my finger and hold it up in the air and i can tell which way the wind's blowing based on what people are asking me for uh, um, sure. you know, there, so there's two sides that you can also get into a supply and demand economic that guarantees you're going to have to pay a lot more because there mm-hmm. are way more people looking than what you have, which is the exact same problem as not having people that know how to do it at all. Trust me. It's the
1: fricking same people. Yeah. But, the, the know, result is the same. You still got a problem. <laughs> it's different ends. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It was well, it's a scalability problem and, you know, that's what we're discussing. So, you know, another thing that you mentioned is. Uh, I see a lot of people mess this up. So you mentioned like, oh, I found some people on Craigslist and that's what they knew. Oh my God, I run mm-hmm. into this one all the time. I'm like, so what made you choose this? They're like, my cousin's sister's husband told me that's where I should mm-hmm. start. And I'm like, wow. Yeah, look,
1: okay. I always I say if I can teach people and I got, we got very lucky. And uh, our first two engineers are turned out to be fantastic and actually very very brilliant and now they were not used to building scalable production grade applications so we ended up having to put people around them that did but from a creativity move really fast iterate very fast they were great and so we got really lucky there but I think the mistake that you know I kind of narrowly you know, squeaked through and we t- it turned out okay, was not being more intentional about those decisions. And, you know, one of my key learnings or suggestions to people at a er- very early stages would be uh, to, to actually think through that, right? Because it does matter as you start to have success.
0: Yeah, often referred to as technical debt. Um, that's, those are the, those, that's the, um, the repayment you'll end up having to make when you cut corners and you also don't know things. And, and here's the thing. It's inevitable. Cause uh, once again, I'm not trying to be cliche today, but what you don't know, is what you don't know. And it's easy yeah. to think you have a plan and then you got to be able to adapt, change lanes, pivot, stuff like that. That's why it, for any early stage companies, I always recommend if they have, a, if they have limited bandwidth for who they can hire, I'm like, you want the Swiss army knife, you want problem solvers. Yeah. You want people that yeah. they can do that. And then also <laughs> that, that plan going forward. So the problem is, is that technical debt really can't accumulate. And if things do go well and you catch traction, all of a sudden you got to do something, you're like, wow. So I, yeah, if you talk about share. The it's it, well. It's, some of it's the architecture and the structure because as you yeah. as you create more complexity and things begin to get exponentially more difficult, you do if, from a software perspective, as you find yourself trying to fix one thing and breaking three others, and you eventually have to yeah. solve these problems. And and you know you can't just put a bandaid on it forever. Eventually, you have to go back. Yeah, and, no. And we, back we and we did and put a lot of
1: band aids on it, and and if I could share yeah, that's okay. You know, he- that's learning okay, about-
0: but yeah. Yeah, please
1: do. Yeah, if I could share a key learning around the hiring piece, and you you touched on it, the hiring a Swiss army knife that can do a lot of different things. And I think stage being stage appropriate is important. When you're building your first product, your goal is to build an application that you can sell that is delivering value to the customer that you can then go and get a second customer and a third customer, right? And so I think it's important to understand at that stage, okay, the most important things are I need somebody that relishes um, iteration and changing and adapting and having a very, very tight feedback loop with the customer, um, whoever's talking to the customer and your developers and your engineers, right? So we, we, I I believe, did that well uh, from a, the, the speed of our feedback loop was really good. Now, it, it hurt us on the Band-Aids because we would get feedback, make a change, put a Band-Aid on it, and then go till we got customer value. And then we ended up having to pay that debt down the road, down that technical debt down the road. Now, what I would tell you from my perspective is had we not been that maniacal about the feedback loop in iterating and kind of putting Band-Aids on things till we got to that initial value, we wouldn't have broken through and gotten the success that we did. So it's kind of like chicken and egg type of thing. Um, So, you know, those first hires really having the strong desire to move quickly and adapt is, um, I would say, a huge important point when you're hiring. There's a difference between
0: knowing you're accumulating technical debt and finding out you have accumulated (laughs) it. It's a different different perspective. It's like knowing you're and, you know, look, uh, the most successful people are going to tell you it's okay to move fast and break things. But some things you break need to be put back together. And, you know, that's a Humpty Dumpty, man. Get back up on that wall. Uh, Just you got to be aware that you're creating it. And I mean, that's and that's and then there's going to be other things that come up, too. It it really does get kind of nasty. If you don't take, it does, it. it does
1: one yeah. of our, one of our yeah. mantras was always move fast and innovate, you know, kind of a, mm-hmm. a spin-off, I guess, of move fast and break things, but you know, we said that a Same lot thing. for, yeah, for, similar. for yeah. years. And then one day uh, we had a customer, uh, say to me at a, one of our customer events, you know, Joe, it would be great. I get you guys want to move fast and innovate, but maybe slow down and fix things would be a good idea. <laughs> and so, you know, it's like, yeah, no, we, we do need to fix some of those th- some of those things that have kind of got left behind that technical debt. So you you do absolutely end up paying that down. And, and I think consciously we sort of knew that we were developing some technical debt and, and we were willing to take that risk. Now, at the end of the day, it ended up being more painful than what we anticipated. But, you know, that was how it worked out
0: we love and we learn we love and we learn but do exactly that though you know plan it now there's there's a something else that for our developers at full scale and once again today's episode of startup hustle is brought to you by fullscale.io go visit the site you can go to our get started page take two minutes fill out the question i'll give you access to our our company management portal and you can see what kind of developers and team members we recommend for you Um, One of the things that we talk about a lot is we critical thinking, which uh, you defined and described earlier, uh, but those we actually use those words like engaging in critical thinking, like how let's be critical. And that's that sunny day, rainy day thing. So we force ourselves not only in our dev teams, but pretty much everything we do to kind of be red team, blue team. And the critical part of things is I think healthy. Now, you have to, but you need to be healthy about it. It doesn't mean just criticizing things for the sake of criticizing them. It's about sitting back and having, a, you know, having a. If if you're looking at, at a cow in a field and it's sideways and it's all white and that's the only place you look at it, you can't tell me it's not a spotted cow, right? Yeah. So you got to kind of around it, it, climb on top of it, open its mouth, do a lot of things. and that's critical thinking, and that's being able to present, say, Hey, I, this could create a problem. We should at least know that, um, here's a couple solutions. And maybe you choose to move forward anyway. Maybe you take a different approach. I think it's that kind of well-rounded discussion in all parts of your business that at least prepare you. Like part part of what killed us with COVID is no one had a contingency plan for a worldwide pandemic. So we were all like, shit, what do we do now? But you can create some contingencies with the other stuff.
1: Yeah. I think um, part of the thing, you know, what you're speaking to is is really uh, driving that in your culture with your leadership teams to where you're having those critical thinking type discussions and you're digging into the problems and you're looking at them from, you know, a multidimensional standpoint. Um, I think it's it is hard to force yourself to slow down sometimes to say, okay, let's think about some of this complexity and how it impacts us downstream these things we're working on the decisions we've made over this past you know quarter or month or week sometimes right how is this going to impact us and evaluating it and then getting if you put smart people in a room having really deep discussions with smart people you can make a lot of progress on things right and one of my key learnings is look i want to be the dumbest person in the room if at all possible and I don't think that comes naturally for founders and entrepreneurs, really type A people who a lot of times, you know, may, maybe it's not comfortable for them to show up in a room and take a little bit of a back seat and let some of these other people go deep. And I've learned that it's really important to do that. I don't know about you, but as a, as a leader, having those critical thinking conversations, but really Having some of your other people that have different perspectives than you drive the conversations has been really helpful for us.
0: I've done that in and out of the office, and I want to give an out of the office example. So um, I'm 46 years old. A few years ago, I signed up to play adult baseball, like straight out fast pitch. I knew I wasn't going to be the best person on the
1: team. That seems like I, a horrible idea, I, but no, I'm just kidding.
0: Well, that's no. why I signed uh, playing fast pitch or being the worst person on the team. Um, yeah, this was really competitive, like super competitive, like talking guys throwing 90 miles an hour and stuff. And I can show up and be okay. Um, I wanted to be, I want, I literally wanted to be in a spot where I I was a participant and not the coach. I didn't want to be the manager. I didn't want to be the CEO. I wanted to be a role player. And I really learned a lot from doing that, you know, like, Hey, like you're not the guy here. And, and that's, and Joe, you have to have that same situation. I mean, when I show up at work, I'm the CEO of a company with 200 employees. And that's a different role than being like the guy that needs to get hit in the butt with a fastball to get on base. But Well, yeah, I think the things that that make you you successful.
1: Yeah, the things that make you successful very early as you scale are not necessarily the same things, right? And what made us successful early was I just by sheer force of will would literally drive things to happen and just, you know, go out and dig into everything myself and just make things happen. Right. And then you realize that is not sustainable at, at a certain level in that the only way to continue to grow and quote unquote scale as a business is the ability to empower The people on your team to be those people that force the ball down the field, right? And um, I think it's for type A personality, uh, founder, I fall into this bucket. That was something that I had to learn to step back from and say, nope, I've hired really good people. I give them the vision and the target and I'm stubborn on the vision, but I'm flexible on the details of how we get there.
0: I've had the same problem, man. and and you know you can't. And the problem is, is as you get bigger, you can find yourself being the toll booth for like everything that occurs, and that's you're gonna make yourself a blocker and and clog things up. Now, what isn't clogged up is the fact that we're at the end of today's episode, and I end my episodes to start a hustle with what I call the founders freestyle. I say my episodes. I'm not the only host. Make sure you tune in and hear Andrew Morgan's talking once a week about e-commerce and Amazon. Join Lauren Conaway, the founder of Innovate Her, as she talks about all kinds of stuff that I don't, i, I too many things to list. Lauren's awesome. Uh, now, I said my episodes. So here we are. And I said Founders Freestyle. I like to give my guests, especially the ones that are founders, a chance to Uh, say anything you may have missed during today's episode and also interested in what some of your key takeaways were from this conversation and possibly some of the best advice you could give to people that want to follow in your footsteps
1: i'm sorry buddy you cut you cut out on me right there
0: oh i apologize uh yeah so well it's it's up to you for the freestyle do you have anything to add here at, at the end of today's episode
1: yeah, I mean, in terms of ad- advice and um, you know, really nuggets, right? i think I think having a very high tolerance for being uncomfortable is something that is is just going to be critical as you as you grow and scale at every stage. that's um, that that desire to push outside your comfort zone and being being very comfortable being constantly and continuously uh, off balance and uncomfortable is really important and having high tolerance for pain. Uh, And I think I would, I just, I've talked about it, but I would say it again, the people that you surround yourself with from your investors, your mentors, uh, the people that you hire on your team are going to directly impact the trajectory of your business and will influence uh, your success or lack of success. And some of the mistakes that, You know, I've been able to navigate with good mentors as saying, "Hey, you know, just because this person has a relationship with you and they had success in one, in one industry, does not mean they're the best person to give you advice on building, you know, this SaaS product to to go into this industry." So, I think just really being mindful of the the types of people you're surrounding yourself with, um, and taking advice from the right types of people, Uh, also getting. perspective, talking to other founders that are uh, at stages beyond where you are, Uh, I've always tried to reach out and learn from people that are a few years to, you know, three to five years ahead of us and where our journey is. And that's been incredibly valuable. Um, And I think, uh, you know, from, from our perspective is you really have to have clarity as to what you want to do with your organization and your business and your company as you grow and having clarity around that, um, not having a plan, um, is really disastrous and not having a, a clear vision and a plan is, is disastrous and can get you off balance very quickly. You know, those are just some of the high level nuggets that, that I would share.
0: Once again with me today, Joe Waylu, who's the founder and CEO of Total Expert, go to totalexpert.com. If you're Interested in seeing my reaction to today's uh, recording? Come on over to the Startup Puzzle YouTube channel. It's a new form of content that we're trying to get out there, giving you a little pre and post game recap. Um, in regards to today's episode, I'm actually glad we talked more about people than actual technology because. And scalability is often thought of in a programmatic sense. And the fact is, though, is so much of it is people related. People are, you can't live without them because they have to build your tech. (laughs) And it can really, I mean, it really can be a hassle for so many things. Joe, I think you had so many great points along the way about the culture. And just really like, you know, I think the, the, the last key takeaway i've got is just the technical debt you know and and yeah. the idea that knowing that you're accumulating it or finding out you already have is a completely different viewpoint on where you're at and the ability to understand your business. Overall, if your company always having your jokes,
1: what you're saying is really understanding where you're where truly where you're at, having your hand on the pulse of how yeah, yeah how yeah, significant yeah. that technical debt might be because it yep. can bite you in the ass if you don't address it right. If, if you, you don't
0: can, have your finger it, on the pulse of your business, then your business might not have a pulse at some point. That's, and that's, that's so and, true. Yeah. What I mean, so much about that is just it, it is clutch.
1: Yeah, one, key, one additional kind of key thing I thought about that I'll just share with with you really quick is, um, you know, one thing that's, I think, helpful is understanding a, as a founder and entrepreneur, uh, leader of your business, understanding the things that give you en- energy and that you're really, really good at, and understanding the things that drain your energy and that you're really bad at. You know, for example, if engaging with people all the time and driving those people all the time, every day, does not give you energy. Then you better find somebody uh, on your executive team that is a very good partner to you that can fulfill that. Right? And on the similar fashion, if the technical de- details and getting into the analyzing technical debt, and all of those things are not your sweet spot, you know, hire for your blind spots really, really early. Um, that would be my parting parting tidbit.
0: And that's that's cultural understanding, and you know that's where so many people recommend finding a co-founder. <laughs> For us, we've had a lot of episodes about that, and a lot of commentary on it. And find someone that's not good, that wants to do the stuff you don't like doing, and is good at the things that you aren't, and then you have a nice one-two punch. Also. Um, you know, the roles. And I say this a lot. People are like, what, what's your goal? I'm like, I want to become Mickey Mouse. And they're like, what do you mean? Like Mickey Mouse is out in front of the Magic Kingdom. He's like, come on in. He's, he's your voice. He's your ambassador. Mickey isn't in the gift shop behind the cash register. He's not in the box office. He, he's probably willing to take out the trash. But you don't see him doing that. So some of that is, you know, and that's just kind of an easy way to look at some of the roles in a rapidly growing company. Speaking of which, I know you've got one. I've got one. I want to catch up with you down the road. Thank you so much for for taking time with me today, Joe.
1: Thanks for the opportunity, man. Much appreciate it.